So we're, we're just a, a little bit over two weeks away from from uh, Apple's developer conference, WWDC 2021. And um, that's where we expect to see iOS 15, Mac OS 12, and all the other software updates. Um, but because we're not there yet, let's first talk about what Google did this week at, at Google I.O. Um, I always think of I.O. like in and out, and then I think of like in and out burger. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it stands for input and output, right? Like that's the yeah, in, input and output burger. Oh, that's too descriptive. I don't like that anymore. Okay, uh, tell me about Google I.O. <laughs> was it? Yeah, I, I yeah. Saw so some, they, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was gonna say I saw some like watch stuff, and you know, yeah, like they they kind of reinvented it. Well, obviously with the with their watch, like their smartwatch situation, they've kind of splintered their market because Samsung went off and did their own thing with Tizen, and then you had Google's watches, which run Wear OS, which is now just called Wear. Uh, and one of their biggest announcements, basically, at this event was they were just like they basically got Samsung to drop Tizen and just come over to Wear OS and make the apps compatible to try and you know offer a unified front. Uh, most of IO was pretty abstract, honestly. Like you know, it's not quite like the WWC conference. Like the keynote is very consumer, right? The the IO event, especially this year, it still felt very like technical. It's it's kind of like the other days of the you know the rest of WWC week, which are just like developer sessions. Google just imbues a lot more of that into their main keynote event because they're targeting slightly you know more technical audience, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like the Android stuff was whatever they redesigned it a bit and stuff, but the main thing I took away from it was just the um. They actually did it live. So Sundar Pichai and some of the other presenters, they were doing the uh, the Apple impression of, you know, being in the being in the uh, grounds of the campus and they were on the grass and they had a projector with the screen on it. But obviously Apple's events so far uh, in pandemic world have all just been pre-recorded videos, right? Nicely produced pre-recorded videos. Uh, what uh, Google did here, which is, I thought was quite a nice touch, is they had the pre-recorded sections, but like, just the equivalent of Tim Cook standing under the Apple Park Rainbow stage and talking. That was actually Pachai talking in real time, so they were streaming that live, and it did give it a nice little dynamic of, uh, I don't know, it's just, it, it, like the, the, when when there was the WWC last year, and obviously that was the first post-pandemic event. It was so novel, and Apple, you know, gave great production value to it, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. But then the September event rolls around, and it's the same kind of deal, and then you get the October and. and I just kind of feel like if you don't have anything live at all, it does get a bit lacking after a while. I think Apple's probably just going to do, you know, follow the playbook for the rest of this year because they and they'll just start next year, hopefully getting people back in audiences, right? But mm-hmm. it would be nice if they had some sort of live segment in something. Like the the IO thing, I definitely say Apple's presentation was still superior just in terms of like production quality and stuff, but the live element does give it a nice touch, although they still weren't having you know, random people from all around the world come and sit there, right? So it was basically just like Pachai talking to a handful of Google employees. So it's trade-offs, right? But I thought it was at least different that they had a live element to the to the proceedings. Yeah, I, I did see that Android is getting a kind of a color picker theme for the, mm-hmm. the whole... I, I thought that was neat. Like, color is definitely making a comeback, um, you know, with, with the, the colorful iMacs and colorful iPhones and even the, the Apple Watch got more color this year with blue and red or last year. But that's something Yeah, that, so what yeah, what Android's doing basically is they're making um, themes based off your wallpaper. So, I mean, Apple tried to 
presented like this with iOS 7. Do you remember they were like, you just pick your wallpaper and the whole OS <laughs> reflects it because they yeah. had the laser transparency. But it was just like the wallpaper is the background, then you've got layers of color over the top because it was all blurred out. But uh, what they, what Android are doing with Android 12 is you, you know, you pick a, you pick your wallpaper, and then they theme supposedly the rest of the entire system based on the predominant colors in the wallpaper. So taking the like what happens in Apple Music on the now playing screen, where you get you know the complementary colors, but expanding that out to uh, the entire operating system, which I think you know that's not like a new concept. Uh, even for Apple, right? But Apple kind of popularized it probably like a decade ago with iTunes. Remember when they had like the iTunes album previews and they would mm-hmm. take the colors out of that and they would arrange them. Uh, but Android are doing that for like system and also inside applications. And they, are, they aren't just like naively picking the predominant colors of the image. They're, they're looking at the colors of the image and then trying to match a, one of a set of color palettes. So they've made like 300 color palettes and then you pick your wallpaper and then it chooses the closest one so the idea is that you are getting the dynamicism of the freedom of choice but also google's designers have actually picked sets of colors that do actually work well you know so it's a nice balance it's a cool idea yeah clever approach i I think the closest that i recall apple getting is mostly with the reminders app where you would see a blurred version of your wallpaper and then no third-party app could do that um the, Mm -hmm. the notes app vesper like hacked it and, and pulled it off, uh, you know, and then went away. But um, it was never a thing where any app can do this thing where it, it you know, shows your wallpaper blurred out behind the contents of the app. And, and and you know, kind of widget-based apps like the the original, well, I guess even like, well, yeah, the original weather, weather app where it was like cards, you know, over a, a, a black background. Mm-hmm. That, that's pretty clever. Um, and I guess Safari does that, or, or no, I don't even know who does it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think Safari still does it. If you go on the tab screen, yeah. if you look behind, there is your wallpaper. They're blurred out, but they put like a black cover over it, so it's it's so. Mm, yeah, they, like they, the the Android approach was so you know when you're in Safari and all the toolbars are blue, they're going to make the toolbar colors match the home screen essentially. Like, uh, I think I I think it's a nice idea, but what the problem you have with those kind of systems is Google will do it for its apps, and then. All the third-party apps won't have any interest in following along. They'll just—they want to use their own brand colors, right? They want to promote their own feelings. They want to make the apps feel distinct. They don't want to follow like and conform to some system theme. Because uh, Apple tried it in a way with iOS seven, when they're like, "Oh, we can just have everything be white, and you get like one color that will distinguish your app from everybody else's." But it doesn't take very long before individual app makers want to be able to stand out a bit, and they, you know, start using block colors, and they just eventually just resort back to their normal branding themes essentially mm-hmm. and I th- I, i'm pretty sure that's what happened on the android side as well you'll get it for like the calculator and then google mail and stuff and maybe messages but it won't expect it won't extend to the system in the way that they're trying to present it that it will on, yeah. on the where side i was expecting a bit more to be honest and i know google's got um their like apple watch competitor coming up at the end of the year in terms of hardware but the software thing was kind of flimsy at least what they showed in that event they they they're bringing tizen back inside the system so everything can be run off wear os which is obviously a good idea for app ecosystems and stuff but they were like we're gonna put some more glances on your home screen and oh you can download music for offline playback it's like okay there wasn't anything super on the watch side where i was like damn apple really needs to respond to that to be honest but we'll see what the hardware looks like when they actually ship that yeah i, li- I like yeah, to full event i like when you messaged me that one of the flagship features of wear os this year is the ability to download songs offline music offline 
<laughs> yeah, and that was such a big deal when Apple did it with what, like the Series Three with cellular and stuff. And it's like, I mean, you can stream, you can stream and download for offline playback. But yeah, I mean, they they did that was like four years ago. They did offline music with the first watch. <laughs> like syncing was yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah, that was it. That was it. Series Three was like you could stream Apple Music right over so Yeah, yeah. Cool, but I know, like the unfortunately, Apple doesn't really have much competition in smartwatches still and they're not they, the only competition they have is like on price basically because they don't offer super cheap watches but in terms of like high-end direct competitors to the apple watch it's hard to really single anyone else out at the moment and isn't there a blackberry or no 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 uh, fitbit angle to this because google purchased fitbit mm-hmm. and then that's gonna be part of their watch yeah, they actually mentioned that they were like and now we're going to integrate Fitbit, the Fitbit service into the watch. But what they actually showed was just like, you can do step tracking and workout tracking. So I wasn't quite, I don't think they've quite got their ducks in the row of like, actually, here's what they're going to do. With yeah. Has, has that like, purchase even like closed and been approved and everything? I don't believe it has, which probably contributes. That's what I was like, thinking, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's kind of pending and they're probably like starting to work together, but they, they're not like legally allowed to do everything they want to until it officially closes and right. i don't think it's set to officially close until like the end of the year yeah so, so that'll be a next year thing but, but the soonest i suppose okay well, that's google io for you hopefully hopefully wwdc is a little bit more spicy yeah i mean it's always gonna be more interesting for us right like i like i like watching io just because it's the primary competition but I didn't see anything that was like, wow, this is really, really cool. I, I like when Google I.O. has some quirky new hardware that, that may or may not last on the market, but at least it's interesting, <laughs> you know? I didn't. Yeah, and to be fair, the, the leaks about their smartwatch do actually look pretty nice, but again, that was like a full event thing. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, you want to, before we get into Apple's announcements this week, because there's been a lot of them, do you want to start us off with our first sponsor yeah thanks this week to uh, ProClip for sponsoring 9to5Mac Happy Hour distracted driving is dangerous and cell phones are one of the biggest causes of distracted driving incidents don't use your bare phone while driving what you need is a safe and sturdy spot to place your phone for GPS navigation hands recalling and listening to your favorite podcast or music suction cups and vent clips just don't cut it there are plenty of flimsy vent clips out there purporting to support MagSafe, but they aren't very good and they aren't optimized for your new iphone ProClip usa makes a mount that allows you to simply snap in your own MagSafe charging puck making the most secure MagSafe mount on the market that means it actually charges your phone while it's while it's mounted which is awesome ProClip mounts are machined out of high-quality ABS plastic, not a cheap injection mold. And it's a two-part system. The vehicle mounting base is designed specifically for your exact make and model of car. It snaps in tightly to the seams of the dashboard panel and for a solid and secure fit. Then the phone holder is designed for your iPhone, and you can choose your from various configurations supporting custom fits for the bare phone, for the phone in the case, whether it's out wired and wireless charging. So I've been testing out um, ProClip USA for my car, which is I mentioned in the um, the AirTag review last week or so, a couple weeks ago, that um, I drive the very common 10th generation Honda Civic. 
And, um, believe it or not, third party clips can be hit or miss in terms of if, if, if they, they work with the car or not. Um, including the very popular, well, very, very, um, promoted, <laughs> you know, competitor <laughs> MagSafe charger that doesn't actually charge your phone, um, as to whether or not it works reliably or not. And, um, what's great about ProClip USA is, is they, they know your make and model of car. They've designed the attachment just for that make and model of car. And in my experience, this is the best version of getting MagSafe charging um, with your phone easily mounted. So um, I'm very much been enjoying it. And, and it <laughs> you don't just mount your phone and, and then you know run a wire to it. You mount it and you have the MagSafe puck already there for you to charge with. Very cool. Um, so no professional installation is required. There's no dismantling your dashboard or uh, concern about damaging it <laughs> during installation. ProClip mounts take just a few minutes to install. Don't settle for flimsy run-of-the-mill vent clips. Build your own ProClip solution today at ProClipUSA.com. Fans of 9to5Mac can save 10% on their order using promo code 9to5 at checkout. Um, from now until August 31st, that's ProClipUSA.com, promo code 9to5. That's 9TO5. Thanks to ProClip USA for sponsoring 9to5Mac Happy Hour. Apple Music. Apple Music. This is... Uh this is, I mean, I'm glad this came sooner than I may, maybe have thought because we were just talking about these rumors, you know, for the past couple of weeks on the podcast. And, um, you know, we got, the, <laughs> I think the, the order of, um, appearance was like an Android beta of Apple Music <laughs> had, had signs of support for lossless audio and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then there was this weird timed, uh, teaser in the music app on the browse section about, you know, music is going to change forever. <laughs> and I think that lasted about 12 hours before there was the actual announcement. Um, so, so yeah, walk, walk us through what, what's new with Apple Music and, and how <laughs> it's been presented so far. Yeah. Cause we were like talking about it abstractly and then very quickly over the weekend, it kind of materialized into this. Okay. This thing's about to happen because there was website leaks and code findings and obviously the Android app. And then Apple was saying that music's going to change all over again or whatever incredible superlatives they love uh, but basically what they announced on monday uh, is that they're bringing uh, lossless audio quality to their entire catalog uh, so that's all 75 million songs by the end of the year they're launching with about 20 million songs uh, and the spatial audio stuff with dolby atmos uh, and so let's take these in turn if you look at lossless first you can get uh, current current apple music it all streams in AAC format, which is a compressed music format, but it's the music format that everyone's, you know, everyone's been using with iTunes since iTunes has existed. Uh, and no one, you know, no one complains about it, but clearly if you're going into the more uh, higher end of the market, uh, professional audio, people want to go beyond AAC uh, or MP3 because they want uncompressed songs and Technically, AAC doesn't even match what you would find on a CD, right? And so with uh, the lossless announcement, Apple is offering its library at 16-bit at 44.1 kilohertz, uh, up to 24-bit at 48 kilohertz, and then they have an even higher high-res tier, which is 24-bit at 192 uh, kilohertz rate. So these files are literally gigantic which is the main reason why they haven't been available uh up to now is just the file sizes are ginormous uh i think a three minute video on high-res losses is like sorry a three minute song on high-res losses is like 50 megs so you don't have to if you listen to an album you're going to like a gig it's like watching an hour of 
you know, like a 4K video, right? But, but so. now we have 5G. But you do have 5G. <laughs> and honestly, this is probably something <laughs> Apple will love to tout going forward about yeah. why you need 5G. Because when they had the uh, iPhone 12 and videos, they always had those like ads where you saw the whole album download in like a second, right? And it was like, we could do this out of 5G. But if you want to stream lossless, uh, you actually probably, on cellular, you probably do need 5G to actually make it to actually make it practical. Uh there are some compatibility issues that we'll get to in a moment, especially regarding the iPhone. Uh, but at the highest level, when this this ships with iOS fourteen point six, which is and they said uh, starting in June, so they've announced it a bit early. I think because they had to agree negotiations with labels, mm-hmm. and so they were going to get rights at the same time that other competitors were getting rights. Like Amazon basically announced the same kind of thing on the same day even so yeah they were like we might as well announce it now even if it's not going to be ready to ship for another month or so but if you want to enjoy lossless you have to turn it on in settings it's going to be off by default because of the uh, bandwidth situation and then you have the the frankly more interesting side which is the spatial audio stuff uh, apple is going to be releasing songs onto apple music that are authored in dolby atmos so you can basically enjoy music surround sound now they're kind of overloading the spatial audio phrase, right? Because when we think of spatial audio, originally you think of it what they did for the video stuff on AirPods Pro and AirPods Max, where you can look at the device and you move your head around and the music and the the audio track for the video is kind of simulating so it sounds like it's coming from the device, not in your ear. Spatial audio for music, it doesn't have any of the head tracking stuff. It's just putting the soundstage virtually around your head Good. so you can have instruments all around you right and this again this isn't like a uh something that apple's like invented you've been able to buy like five points uh, like dolby 5.1 albums for a long time ever you know as much as surround sound has existed on movie theaters 5.1 albums exist they're pretty niche but they do exist but obviously apple's gonna be able to bring it to a much bigger market by just making it available to stream on apple music and the big news about all this stuff is it's all free so well, well, no extra time. So yeah. <laughs> all the entire of music is now completely free. Uh-huh. Uh, you just, you uh, just download. Uh, assuming you subscribe yeah. to Apple Music, it's you don't extra. have to pay any extra. You can get losses, and you can get all the special audio stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty cool. What do you think? I I, th- I think uh, I, I think I'm probably like a um, I'm not an audiophile, but I do love my music. And when you're 30 and you listen to the same. You know, I listen to new music all the time, but but my go-to uh, selection for like testing out new new you know new configuration of audio is um, audio hardware is when I go back to like the stuff I loved when I was like fifteen and I've listened to for fifteen years because I know it the most <laughs> and it's it's easy to pick out new sounds and songs and new levels of clarity when you listen to the same song you know same album for fifteen years than it is to like play the newest track on on you know the top charts to say well it sounds good but I don't really have a, like a point of, of relativity there so um, I'm 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 eager I'm excited and eager to try this out uh, I'm ma- I'm massively confused about um mm-hmm. how <laughs> and with what um you know i i think at this point you know as as an iphone owner airpods max owner um airpods pro owner homepod owner um i kind of feel like i've got to buy some new stuff t- t- for this experience which i'm okay with i mean there's there's something special about the ritual of of sitting down and and enjoying you know music at its 
at its best quality that, that, that you lose when you have music in your pocket, wherever you go on whatever speakers you have. So I'm definitely, I would, I would put myself in the camp of like, I would never sign up for a subscription service to like title or something, buy some new hardware and do that. But if it's included at no extra cost in, in the subscription I already have or my music already exists, you know, a big, a big appeal of Apple Music for me is that everything from, from the iTunes days is there as well, side by side with my streaming library. Um, so I, I very much welcome this. This, this would be my first time diving into, well, not the first time diving into CD quality music because, you know, I lived through the CD era. Um, but, um, you know, any, anything above that I think would be, would be new territory for me. And if this, if the music that I, you know, value and cherish ends up supporting this stuff and, and, you know, sooner than later, then, I'm definitely curious enough to see, okay, what do I need to get to in, enjoy this, to actually experience this? Um, bummer that AirPods... And maybe in the fullness of time, Apple might have hardware solutions for some of the stuff that they don't have to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least, like, sell something in the store <laughs> that supports yeah. this stuff. So, um, yeah, so, yeah. like, the, the spatial audio stuff is, you know, eminently available, right? As soon as the music's on the inside the music app... You can use AirPods Pro, you can use AirPods Max. Apple says they're going to be sending Dolby Atmos to all of its H1 and W1 headphones. So even like basic AirPods are going to be able to do some sort of Atmos simulation, although we have to wait and see how that actually sounds. Even right first generation AirPods, like, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, And all the Beats headphones as even well. Even the $49 uh, Beats Flex. Correct. So yeah. I think... Apple's probably stretching the definition in a few places, you know, kind of how they used to call some of their LCD displays HDR compatible. It's like, technically they are, but they don't look anything like the other displays, right? <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see exactly which of Apple's headphones do spatial audio well. But clearly, AirPods Pro and AirPods Max can, because we've seen it happen with the video side. Uh, and a lot of people have AirPods Pro, AirPods Max, and we believe that later this year, they're going to bring spatial audio to the low, you know, the new AirPods 3 as well. So that's a clearly a way in for the Dolby Atmos tracks. Uh, Apple says they're partnering with all sorts of labels and artists to get a lot of adoption for this. They're getting the recording studios, Dolby license, et cetera, et cetera. At launch, they'll say they have thousands of compatible songs and they'll be adding more constantly and they'll have like special playlists and stuff so you can go and find the the upgraded music uh, immediately it will also work with third-party headphones by the way so because if, if you have like bose headphones or whatever that support dolby atmos you'll be able to in the settings turn on support for dolby atmos output it's automatic for w1 and h1 but you can turn it on basically uh if you want to for third-party headphones which is nice it's not just being reserved for an apple only feature similarly if you go to an apple tv if you've got an apple tv connected up to a surround sound system you can stream apple music through that and it will also do the dolby atmos output which is nice and i believe the home pod will do it as well um the lossless thing is where you get into the compatibility matrix nightmare because <laughs> as an iphone user you basically can't use lossless you, right? you mean, don't have a headphone jack is that the problem you don't have a headphone jack mm -hmm. and the dac that's inside the Lightning to 3.5 millimeter converter that Apple currently sells isn't good enough to actually reproduce the lossless quality. Hmm. So on AirPods Max, you might be able to hear a difference. Like it might sound better because it is uncompressed, right? You are getting a higher bitrate stream, but it's not the aforementioned 44 kilohertz, 192 kilohertz because it has to go through, 
you know, two DACs basically to get into your ear and the wireless standards that all of Apple's headphones only support uh, AAC over Bluetooth, right? So you're always getting compressed music over Bluetooth. If you use the adapter on the wire, you're getting at least one digital conversion. And so far, we don't think that's going to be able to let you reproduce the actual lossless audio, right? It might sound higher quality than compressed AAC, but it's not going to be the lossless stats that Apple quotes, right? And even if you are getting... Like, imagine for a second the AirPods Max could just get the lossless quality, right? You then have the second layer, which is, can you actually hear a difference? And people, a bit like vinyl versus <laughs> versus digital music, people go back and forth about this. But in general, my stance is you need very high-end equipment to actually be able to hear the difference and in, in, in nature of loss of sound. Like, if you think AirPods Max are expensive at $500, I think you need like $1,000 plus wide headphones to actually be able to hear and distinguish the, the additional quality you get out of loss of sound. So... Even if AirPods Max did support it, it might be a thing that was more like a, a bullet list item rather than it being practically valuable to you. You will be able to hear lossless uh, quality on like desk speakers. Um, so maybe like the new iMac, it has the speaker array in it, right? You'll probably be able to hear a difference there. It'll still be minor. It's not going to be like... It's not the difference between like 1080p and 4K. I, uh, maybe if you're like a super audiophile, you can immediately tell. But for me, and there's like tests you can do online between lossless audio and not... It is pretty so, right? It sounds great, and it's great that Apple can offer it. Um, and if you have really high-end equipment like reference monitors or you know really nice living room speakers that could play through lossless, I'm sure you could hear it. Uh, but predominantly, if you're just using like consumer hardware, you're not going to be able to hear the difference. If you have like super high-end headphones connected to an iPad Pro, you can get lossless out that way. If you have those headphones connected to the laptop with the headphone jack that Apple has still kept on most of its products apart from the iPhone, you'll be able to hear lossless through that assuming you have nice headphones to go along with it. But when I'm saying nice headphones, I mean like $1,000, $1,500 headphones. That's the kind of range I, I think you actually need to I'm, make it actually worthwhile. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a colleague, Ben Lovejoy, who has some experience in testing um, high-end audio, but but has said that he's his ears aren't so sensitive that he can really appreciate the, the super high-end stuff. Um, he'd mentioned reference headphones. So, you know, the... the, the they're not Bluetooth. They're not wireless at all. They're they're not fancy. They're just they're referred to as reference headphones. Um, I'm, I'm looking at some reviews for some of these things, like Sennheiser HD 650. Those are five hundred dollars. So technically less than than AirPods Max. Um, I mean the, the next thing down. Yeah, in the five hundred dollar range, you're probably getting that's probably the the starting point for actually being a hero, right? Because the what like the 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 five hundred dollar wire headphones audio quality are better than. A lot of AirPods Max are just because the wireless the, the wireless thing makes a difference, and Apple applies all of its like you know machining to give you the 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 additions. But if you're just looking for one to one audio reproduction, that's where you get the wide headphones from. Yeah, and and, and these things do require a, a cable a, a capable amplifier to drive, so maybe that's part of the mix as well. Um, yeah, and Apple actually mentions that if you want to use the high res losses, yeah. that's the one twenty nine hertz one. That's always going to require some kind of external DAC. You're not going to be able to do it just like Apple's. The DACs that are built into the iPad to the laptop just aren't good enough to be able to process that sound. Yeah, well, si- sign me up for the, for the sake of science and, and conversation on this podcast to um, deep deep dive into this stuff and uh, you know let you know <laughs> what I think. Of the yeah, future. and the fact that they give it to you for free. It kind of like if if they charge for this at a separate tier, then all of these questions will be a lot more um, 
preeminent in terms of like, are you actually bothered buying it or not? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have access to it right now. Um, but because it's just included, it's like, well, there you go. And it, and clearly, the, the the arch of time involves stuff getting better and better and better. So it would be stupid if Apple only ever sold uh, streaming at 250 gigabits AAC for the rest of the time, right? So even if they're starting slightly ahead of the curve with this loss of stuff, over time, hardware always gets better. It'll always improve. And you know, maybe the second generation of AirPods Max do have a wired mode that can stream, you know, that can do direct lossless or whatever. And as that arises, Apple needs to be able to take advantage of it. Like, I don't think they... Uh, because they don't charge extra for it, there isn't like a pressing need for them to be like, this device right here that has an Apple logo on it supports it perfectly. It's just like a high-end option for people that want it. Most people are never going to change the default option. They're still going to be streaming at compressed audio for the rest of their life, Mm -hmm. and that'd be fine. Yeah, and and The the spatial audio stuff is directly more impactful, and Mm -hmm. that's reflected in the fact that it's enabled by default. It's not an opt-in feature, and that's what Apple's mostly marking. I think if you look at like the Apple Music promo videos for this, because they know that everybody's going to be able to tell, oh, these sounds are coming from behind them when they put on AirPods Pro and listen to some music, right? Yeah. So that's where the, the bigger impact comes from. And you don't have any headphones with spatial audio yet, right? Not yet, no. Okay, so so I listen... I mean, I mean, yeah. I do have a set of H1 headphones with my second generation <laughs> AirPods. Yeah. I uh, I listen... Well, okay, then did you listen to the, 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 the Zane Lowe announcement in Apple Music on the Browse tab for like, you know... Uh, I think I listened to it on the Mac, so I didn't stick okay. on the headphones. I listened to it on the AirPods Max, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I think that was an example of spatial audio, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it, you know, it wasn't like whoa, <laughs> like like you like you get when you watch a um, you know an action scene in a movie or something. Yeah. So, um, but, but I'm I'm holding out hope that like when I listen to to music that I know by heart, that when I listen to it with spatial audio, that I'm like. Here's a here's a, you know more detail more like being there in person, um, you know than than it was before. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. The the I'm also looking forward to actually like figuring out and just knowing and being able to tell someone else without referencing some material. This is what the tiers are. This is what supports each tier. This is what music supports it. Cause right now, you know, it's, it's some of it is like launching with a, a small collection of music and they hope to have all of it by the end of the year or so. I think, um, we also, you know, it's, it's a part of iOS 14.6, which is mm-hmm. now has a release candidate version. Um, I think, and, and it's coming in, in June. So in the next, next couple of weeks or so at the, at the earliest, uh, but but so far, it, it, can you even try this in the release candidate version, or is it something that we expect to be server side? Whenever it's server side, because you have to wait for like the Apple Music library to actually start showing it. Okay, because I, I have the release candidate installed. And yeah, nothing that I've clicked on okay. has a little label for spatial anything yet. So. Okay, we're waiting for it. Yep, yep, yep. All right, let's do our second sponsor of the episode. That is Magic Spoon Healthy Breakfasts don't have to be boring. Magic Spoon brings amazing flavors that you love, but without all the bad stuff. Magic Spoon servings have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four net grams of carbohydrates, and at only 140 calories per serving. It's super tasty, but still super healthy. Magic Spoon is healthy, yet delicious. And I know you've got the opportunity to try out some Magic Spoon cereal, right, Zach? Yeah, yeah. I received four boxes of Magic Spoon cereal, and this is this is a sponsor. They're new for us, and I was very excited to be able to do a, a taste test for work, uh, dream, dream job. 
And um, the four flavors that I received include peanut butter and chocolate and um, a, a fruit flavor as well. And it's really good stuff. Like <laughs> it's like your, the fun flavors that you know from being a kid, but um, with, without the um, now that you you know when you're an adult, you know more about what you're eating, and <laughs> you can actually enjoy this because it's good stuff. And um, and 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 my my sister, uh, my younger sister, is um, she she's she has to have gluten free food. Um, or else she has a bad time. And, uh, I, I haven't yet had the opportunity to share this with her yet, but, but I, I will soon. And, and the next time we, uh, talk about Magic Spoon, I'm going to share her experience because, um, she's someone who has to give up a lot of the joys of, of really good food because of that situation. And, um, I'm looking forward to sharing this with her too. Nice. That's nice. Cause indeed, Magic Spoon is keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free, low carbohydrate, and GMO free. And so why not try what, Zach tried out, which is called the Variety Pack, that has four flavors cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. So go to magicspoon.com slash happy hour to grab a variety pack and try it out today. And be sure to use our promo code happy hour at checkout to save five dollars off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident that you'll love it, it's backed with a hundred percent happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason at all, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So remember to get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash happy hour and use the promo code happy hour to get $5 off your order. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring the show. Yeah, uh, one, more, one more thing before we leave the ad segment. Uh, mixing mm-hmm. cocoa and peanut butter together is, is, a, is a good trick. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Apple. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple Music wasn't the only announcement this week. We also got the annual Pride Band update. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like a lot of other stuff, it's going to cost more this year to uh, celebrate your your Pride through your Apple Watch Band because for the first time they've gone from um, well, they they changed the band material again this year. So last year we last year we had that that fun. Um, it was it was the first like multicolor band, right? Where it was different different color straps on the floor last summer is that right i guess they've always been like multicolored but it was like it was like raw the last last one was like the the rubber with like and they made a big deal about everyone being unique because the shape of the how the rubber was compressed together was slightly different each time yeah exactly yeah which was pretty cool um and that was a 49 dollar band they've had um you know the the woven nylon material before where that was a 49 dollar band and that went away um this year it's the um the 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 what what's the, what do they call this thing the material braided solo loop braided solo so. loop so 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 that's a hundred dollars which we discussed when they when they launched is you know kind, kind of feels like a high price for what it is but um that with that aside <laughs> the, the the bands are very nice i've tested the black one and um it's it's a it's a fun alternative it's a nice alternative to the to the the floral elastomers ward bands and um and this one is is really cool. It's it's uh it's it's not just the colors of the rainbow for the LGBT uh you know flag as, as a band, but it's got even more colors to represent the greater cause. And uh, it's it's just objectively a very pretty band, I think. Yeah, and it's like the, it's the braided solo loop, so it's all wound together, and they're different like strands of color. It looks really nice, and they have yet again another matching watch face style, which kind of follows along uh, with the band, like twisting so you've got like strands of color twisting together it's a it's a pretty option i prefer it to the last year's pride band because the the kind of organic squishing together of the floral asthma i it kind of looked a bit i don't know 
secondhand cheapy because it was they that was the idea of it right because it was like uh we'll just let the machine push them together in a different way so everyone will be unique but it almost looked like they hadn't given it the quality control that they, i i they liked last year they weren't like than, strict lines so I, I liked last year's more than you did i think but yeah um, yeah, yeah. I, I was like last year's like, uh, i preferred the first pry ban i think to last year's one but this one's cool like the price is expensive but so are all of the brady solo loot bands but that one just looks cool uh, and I, I, you know, then I like supporting the LGBT cause, but I also like the pride bands that you could just use like all year round, and no one would even know. Do you know what I mean? It's like the subtleness of it makes sure. it more elegant. Do, you, do you, if I say a Mexican blanket, what do you envision? A Mexican blanket? Yeah, I no idea. Okay, okay. Well, go- Google it uh, or search it, <laughs> and uh, and see you know see what you find on your iPhone or whatever. And um, that's what I think of when I see this new one. Um, and when I, 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 these were very, when I lived in North Georgia, these were, these were, um, very common and. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen these kind of blankets. I just didn't know that's what they were called. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I, that's how I search and find them. I don't know if there's a better, better, better name for them, but I can't find it if there is. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, this is what it reminds me of it is, you know, kind of the, the pattern and the, and the different colors, you know, woven together to create, um, something, something different. And, um, I, that, that's what it, that's what it calls back to me, for, uh, you know, as, for me. So it's, it's, it's cool. It's pretty. Yep. And they also have an update to the Nike sport loop, which adds the pride edition colors as well. So. Which, which I told you before, if, if you told me it was from a previous year, I would have believed you because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's a lot more <laughs> understated than the, sure. the solo loop band. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very much yeah. so. But they're cool. And, uh, the, 2021 pride watch face will be coming in a part of a software update one little infant cool thing about that is if you buy the band the actual packaging for the band has an app clip on it so you can go directly to the watch face by scanning the app clip on the box so that's a nice little thing that's the first time we've seen apple actually use the app clip codes on their own products mm-hmm. and i think app clips of i think app clips are always going to be like a niche situation and they've just become even more uh <laughs> esoteric in the pandemic world where We've only just started going outside again, uh, so I think well, over time they're going to uh, adopt it more. You know, don't don't we see in fourteen point six uh, that that the Shazam experience becomes an app clip? That is true, actually. Which is uh, probably when you scan used. using the control center Shazam now, it opens as an app click experience instead of what it did before, which is like a little notification. Uh, I mean, I guess that's cool, but they didn't need to use an app clip to do that. They could have just done like anything <laughs> you yes, know what they i mean did. Like, it just happens to be in the format of an app clip they had to <laughs> like the, the 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 cool part about the app clip is like the nfc scannable code right like that's the that's what really makes makes an app clip stand out and when you scan that it quickly downloads the the mini application and shows it uh for a feature that's entirely integrated into the system and you're doing it on the system putting it in the shape of an app clip i guess it i mean i guess it counts but it's not really the same spirit you know what it I mean? saves you so much space yeah 5g good <laughs> Yeah, instead of downloading the 50 meg Shazam app, we've now got the 10 one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I, I, I think about picking one of these bands up, but the, they are pretty pricey. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, they're, they're, I think the the uh, the the non uh, Nike one, I think, is is really good looking this year. Mm-hmm. And and the watch face, I mean, they always do a cool job of designing the watch face to interact with what the band looks like, so that they really complement each other. And this time, it's they they knock that part out of the park. They knock they knock it out of the park. It's 
it's um it's like strands of the colors used in the kind of dancing on the screen and animate really really well it can be a full screen watch face it can be a circular watch face with complications around it um and then of course that'll come to everybody regardless of, of if you buy the band or not um the the app clip is just a good way of a, a fast way of yeah, it's of, a shortcut yeah yeah to, making that your your current watch face um yeah th- this is one of those things where um i i I don't know that I'll resist it. You know, I think I always buy one of these every year and they're, they're <laughs> cool. So, yeah. And then something that uh, we saw in 14.6 but wasn't officially announced is a pretty cool little product, the Beats Studio Buds, which are the latest addition to the Beats collection of headphones. And these are their, f- like, second truly wireless ones, I guess, alongside Powerbeats Pro. Uh I'm not sure if these are meant to be more expensive than the Powerbeats or cheaper, but they are. They look more compact because they don't have. They're kind of like AirPods Pros, but without the stems, right? Because they're just little like in ear buds that kind of look more like what Samsung do with their buds. But obviously, these are Beats branded. I, yeah. Yes. I. Um, this is so. So back in the up, this is very much a nine to five Mac thing to do. <laughs> I mean, it, when's the last time that? A Beats hardware product didn't get unveiled from Nine to Five Mac. I mean, it's from a, yeah, from a software leak. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so kudos to the team for finding this. It's the, they they look very cool. I um I, w- I wonder how they'll compare to AirPods Pro. I mean, obviously the form factor is a little bit different, but they're still in ear headphones. Maybe they won't have transparency, but I, I think no, I think they will because like the the studio, well, at least the solo headphones the. The, the the newest version of those have transparency and noise mm-hmm. cancellation. They were announced before AirPods Pro and released on the same day as AirPods Pro. Um, so I would be surprised if these don't have noise cancellation and transparency. Um, yeah, I think the code. I think we found co-references that the Studio Buds do have noise cancellation. So yeah, presumably they got transparency as well. I think the battery life compare would be interesting. Maybe maybe by the form factor difference that there could be more of a chunk to them that gives them more battery life. I mean, I think they're, they're competing against four hour battery life with their pods, um, their pods pro with, with noise cancellation or, or transparency on, you get five hours with those off, but I never use that. Those, those headphones with those features off. So I'm, I'm excited about these. I think there's three colors is, is I think it's red, black, white. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this was also very cool because just like just last week or so I, I, um, Finally, published something that I've been following for a little while, which is that a year ago Apple hired this 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 person, this designer named Scott Cordell, who was the top designer for HTC during the um, the the um, HTC One M M M Seven and M Eight phones, which were kind of the peak of HTC Android phone design. And he went on to create the the next bit Robin phone, which was a very cloud based phone that looked looked really neat. Um, and then he, and then he left there to, which was bought by, by Razer, the gaming company. And he left that company to make his own design firm a few years ago. And then last year, around the time that the rumors of Apple discontinuing the Beats brand, uh, were going around, um, Apple had hired this, this person to, um, kind of be the, the top designer for Beats products. And Apple, or Beats has always worked with this company called Ammunition for their design. And everything we've seen so far comes through Ammunition. Um, that will continue to be the case, but Scott Coriel will be kind of the point person from, from the Apple side, Beats side, um, to make sure that everything's, you know, that, 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 that he's like the, I guess, I guess we've got all this Apple technology. Let's design around what, what we can do now. So. Um, yeah, he's the oversight man. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I would, 
and, and as a designer, there's no way he can just be in that position without having an influence on how things look and work. So, um, what I, I am curious is to know if this is something that came from his watch, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause why not? So, yeah. And the look of them kind of sound like what we heard about the, you know, the new AirPods Pro generation where they're going to cut the stems and be just purely like in earbuds, right? So, yeah. Well, maybe that was the rumor. <laughs> maybe it got, maybe they got mixed up in translation. Um, you have to assume Apple's pro- like I don't think Apple's going to keep the the stems around as like a fashion statement. So whenever they do refresh the AirPods Pros, I can imagine following you know this lead. It will be interesting to see how they exactly differentiate the two. But I think we've seen that like Apple hasn't been scared to basically release very similar headphone products, one with the Beats brand, one with the Apple brand, right? Like they don't seem to care too much if they step on each other's toes. Like Apple tends to reserve the cool features for them first, like noise cancellation and, you know, hello series support and all that stuff. And then they trickle down to the beat side. But in this case, at least if you want stemless headphones made by Apple with a H1 chip inside, you're going to get them first from the beats brand. Mm-hmm. 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 No word on when these will be released, but if they're in 40.6 with like these full res images, they've got to be like next month, probably. Yeah. We've never had a, discovery like this where it's um you know like a year away usually it's it's it's, you know maybe like a month away from um reviews being sent out and then maybe a couple months away from the launch so (laughs) looking forward to those uh and and also this this week is a big week because um on friday on april 20 uh, may 21st a lot of new stuff's gonna come out from from apple hardware stuff and um, we figured this would be a good time to look at, uh, recap what we have coming, um, what what the reviews have been so far for the new iMac and the new uh, iPad Pro. Uh, we haven't seen, as a recording, Apple TV stuff yet, although, you know, don't know if we'll have reviews there or not, but... Um, let's just let's just recap and look at what what we, what we have coming. So, sorry to start yeah, with you. I can't trust in you not to change what you told me last week, but I continue to have purchased the new apple tv 4k with a new serial remote mostly for the remote uh my card has been charged for it which is progress but it's still saying it's not coming until the 27th at the moment but it hasn't actually shipped yet so quite often in recently in the uk situation the apple store dates change quite around quite a lot so yeah yeah i i've I've got the iPad Pro coming. I ordered it through AT&T. That's part of my um, plan. And uh, it's it's the, I think it's the 256 model, space gray with cellular. 12.9 inch, of course, for the new screen. And because I ordered pretty late in the cycle um, and not, not through Apple directly, although maybe by ordering through AT&T, it comes sooner than it would have come at that point if I were to order from Apple. But um, May 26th, I think, like next Wednesday is the earliest point of delivery and then like up to June 3rd. So I'm, I'm again, looking forward to that. I'm going to try to pick up an Apple TV and the new Siri remote. Uh, the shipping times are, are pretty far out for me for ordering from Apple. So I'm pretty certain I can buy one at a, at a Best Buy or Target sooner than that or make the trip to an Apple store and probably have some luck there versus ordering online. But uh, yeah, I'm look, looking forward to that. And, it, and it's also got me, got me, you know, look, looking at, um, you know, the, <laughs> if, if the iPad, this is such a big F, but like I'm, I've done something since last, last couple of weeks where I'm doing 
a different strategy with my work hours where I don't do any social media and I'm so I'm not using like TweetDeck at all for following, you know, looking at like breaking news and following that kind of thing. I'm strictly using RSS and I'm spending more time in like a text document and less time like doing 10 different things at once. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious if this like limp, if this, this more focused workflow will fit better on an iPad. Um, you know, I, I obviously had the very recent experience of my MacBook Air being away for service for an extended period of time and that wasn't good. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, but I am, I, you know, the, the dream one day would be to be able to use the iPad as the mobile device and the, and like the iMac cause like the desk setup. Um, maybe after WWDC we're closer to that. Uh, but that, that's kind of my, my wish list. We'll, we'll, go, we'll talk more about that later on, but, um, yeah, so so far for the reviews, what what have you taken away from from uh, from what's been reviewed so far? Mm-hmm. The iMac is the same performance of everything else in in the M1 lineup. So if you were impressed by the performance of the MacBook Air or the Mac Mini, it's exactly the same. Uh, obviously, it's just coming in the nice new packaging of an all-in-one form factor this time. Uh, the reviews did point out that the camera is no longer in the terrible uh, vicinity. It's 1080p, but the Software processing makes it look pretty decent. I saw some videos. Hey, that's pretty nice. Um, personally, it's been a few weeks now. I still can't quite get over the whole chin situation. Like, it's a you know, it's a striking design, but I still look at the iPad Pro and think like, couldn't they have done an iPad Pro that's twenty seven inches? Like, the iPad Pro fits all of its components behind the screen, and it has thin bezels and stuff. And then you have this iMac, which is a big screen but they still have a massive chin on the bottom like i haven't i've given myself a few weeks to you know think it over and i still i'm not i'm not disappointed with it but it isn't i feel like they could have gone slightly further with it and i don't see why they couldn't scale up the ipad pro design to a all-in-one form factor uh at least on this imac where the m1 is so power efficient right and if you can do it on the ipad why can't you do it on on the desktop like maybe with the imac pro replacements coming into the year the m2 or you want to call it it will be more power hungry and require bigger fans and then yeah that probably will actually need a chin for power reasons right but for this iMac it feels like they probably could have got rid of the chin if they tried hard enough like the the iMac chassis like the screen part is thicker it's like twice the thickness of the iPad Pro and yet it still has the 20% chin at the bottom of it so mm. I, and none of the reviews really gave me any explanation of why it had to be that way so I'm still a bit miffed about that, but hey ho, it's a cool iMac. Like, I, I, it's just been so long since we had the last redesign, and then in my head for the last what five years, I've just been thinking, you know, they're getting rid of the forehead and the chin. It's going to be super sleek, <laughs> and then it comes out and it's still got a chin on the bottom. You know, like it's just it's just slightly unsatisfying. But yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, obviously we've had time to sort of kind of sit with this design and take it in, and um, the thing that I've settled on is is. At last, it seems like the iMac comes from the same company that designs the iPad and the iPhone. You know, mm-hmm. the, to say that it's a big iPad on on a stand is not a bad thing at all. Um, especially if you eventually get to a point where there's like touch interface and the you know maybe on a higher end model with with a stand that does the the Microsoft Studio trick where you know it comes down as a big canvas. I mean, that they they've got the form factor now. <laughs> Just you know, get there. Um, I, I think my my biggest miss on it is that 
something I haven't mentioned before, but that you can't have the option to have the nano texture display, mm-hmm. um, which, which was avail- is available on the 27 inch iMac, wasn't available on the 21 and a half inch iMac, which was a dinosaur anyway. Um, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm certain that you'll have that option on the whatever replaces the 27 inch iMac. Um, and, and that's just more reason that maybe that one will be the one that, um, really appeals to us and, and we'll get to talk about some stuff that we're expecting to come in the future with in terms of power with some future hardware later on um but but you know the the, the colors how wonderful are the colors i'm <laughs> you know it uh, man I, I i look forward to being able to walk into a store and, and look at all these things and, and we did see this this week that apple's going to display all the colors even if they only yep. sell for the colors in the store yeah, they're definitely embracing the colors in all of its forms. Like you've got seven colors on the physical, you've got the matching accessories. Uh, we found out from the reviews that the Apple stickers in the box are also the matching colors. You get two Apple stickers. One of them matches the kind of vibrant, saturated color on the back, and the other one's the more subdued color from the front chin area. And even in the software itself, they obviously give you the matching default wallpaper. But you know like the like accent color option in system preferences? So it defaults to that blue tint, right? For like the little um, highlight colors on like a drop-down menu and stuff, mm-hmm. the little buttons. Well, exclusive to the iMac that you buy, there's a there's a tuned color just for the iMac. So it's not any of the... Because on my computer here, you can pick from like seven colors, right? Uh, on each of the new iMacs, there's a This Mac option, which is a the exact shade of color that matches the computer itself. So you can actually get perfect color matching on all of the hardware and or even through to the operating system as well, which is a nice touch. Talk about integration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on the iPad Pro side, uh, the reviews only just came out, but basically it sounds again like you can imagine what it, you can imagine what the reviews for iPad Pro are going to be, right? The Thunderbolt port, you can't really do much with it because of the software's lacking. Uh, the M1 chip is fast and it was, uh, it's more faster than ever and it's the same performance as a uh, MacBook Air. Uh, the big thing I was interested in was the Pro Display XD, is the Liquid Retina XDR display, which is the mini LED panel, right? And from the reviews, the reviews sound pretty positive. It seems to get pretty close to emulating the uh, look of an OLED screen uh, at that size. So I'm very excited to see that in person and obviously get that in my MacBook Pro later. Then you'll obviously be able to see it when because you, you ordered the 12.9 right yep next next yeah. wednesday at the signals yep so when you uh, get that it'll be interesting to hear mm-hmm. about that thing yeah so yeah i'm i'm, I'm very much look, looking forward to that um I, I i think in terms of accessories too i haven't ordered any accessories yet but i think what i'll probably do is in the short term just have a this is the smart folio cover where it's the the model equivalent of a smart cover you know um, nothing with the keyboard or anything and just, just kind of, you know, and have that as a stand for, for, you know, TV mode, FaceTime mode, that kind of thing. Um, and then if and only if <laughs> iOS or iPad OS 15 delivers in, in some big ways, then, you know, then, then would I consider accessorizing it out as, as with, with the keyboard and, and, and trackpad. So I was yeah, looking, and yeah, the reviews yeah. do say that the HDRness of the display only kicks in for consuming content. So if that's what you're going to do on the iPad, that's where you're going to get the benefit of the screen. That's right. That's right. They did, they did, uh, stop selling the space gray accessories on the Mac, right? Yeah. And I just bought those again for like probably the fifth time uh, a couple of weeks ago about the space gray um wireless magic keyboard and the um magic mouse too i didn't, didn't get the trackpad because i'm using it with my macbook air and it's got the trackpad right there on it and you know as a second display too um 
And I was kind of, I was kind of like, why, why are they getting rid of these now? You know, and, and of course it's, it's tied to the fact that the iMac Pro is going away, but you got those accessories with an iMac Pro. Um, and even though they never sold a compact version of the Space Gray keyboard, um, it's, it's kind of nice to have the, at least the Magic Mouse as the, <laughs> as, as the mouse that goes with the, the MacBook Air, MacBook Pro that comes in Space Gray. So that was it's kind of kind of a weird one, and it's not like the the this is what made me think about you know with with the iMac we see color matched versions of the Magic Mouse, and it's exactly the same as the Magic Mouse two before it just it, they're just color matched you know on the bottoms, and um, it made me think well you know surely they're going to do a version of the same they're going to do the same mouse so at least on the keyboard side we can say well they've got. Um, touch ID on two of the three models. And, you know, if they ever sell those separately, then, you know, it's, it's going to be a newer keyboard than what they sell today in Space Gray. So it makes sense to get those out of the way, I guess. Well, supplies last, you know, quote unquote. Um, but if they're going to do a, a, you know, any, any sort of black, uh, iMac that's higher end, then would, would they really not match with the current Magic Mouse? And they made me think, well, Maybe maybe I could do a, a, a Magic Mouse Pro, <laughs> like something different, because uh, I, I know the Magic Mouse is fine, you know, aside from the the awkward charging situation, which is also fine. But um, I I could see Apple doing a a more pro focused mouse than than than, than the Magic Mouse. Yeah, and if it's not space gray, it could be like a matte black color, right? Like, yeah, have to, like they like they can discontinue the space gray stuff, but still do dark colored Macs in the future. Like they, st- mm-hmm. I think they still sell the. Um, well, they still at least manufacture the accessories that come with the Mac Pro, which are the different black keyboards, right? Because they have the, yeah, it's silver the and space black. gray ones that come with the iMac Pro, and then they have the kind of like two tone black ones that come with the Mac Pro. So yeah, it's sil- silver. It's silver and black versus space gray and black, and they've never sold those separately, at least. So that's you know interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess we'll have to see in the future if there's if there's <laughs> if if they start to sell these same things bundled again, and they just don't do anything bundled that's not white, then that'll be kind of a bummer. But I'm glad I've got my hardware before I went away. You know? And I guess there's still time if you if you try to get a space gray accessory for you know peripherals or or a white HomePod for that matter. Hmm. Yeah, the white HomePod still <laughs> continues. All right, let's do our ad break, and then we can talk about our iPad stuff, like our iPad wishes. Uh, we are sponsored this week by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts, you just wonder, why are you getting ripped off by the big wireless providers? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. $15? You might be thinking, what's the catch? Well, there just kind of isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret source is that they are the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out retail stores. It means there's no crazy overhead costs that need to be paid for. And those savings are passed on to you. No mystery fees, just cheap service. And we talked about it before, but we can talk about it again. You've uh, been loving your Mint Mobile SIM, Zach. That's right. Yeah, it's a really, really easy way to um, to have a, a, a carrier that isn't, you know, one of the big expensive ones, and um, you get good control over over your service. I I think back to like my first um, smartphone or even, even iPhone, and um, you know, being twenty years old, you definitely wasn't prepared for a big expensive contract with a lot of you know rules and. <laughs> 
everything. And um, Mint Mobile had it had it existed uh, ten years ago like this. That would have been a great solution for me. And even now, it's great if you have a cellular iPad, for example, you can pop the SIM in there and get, take advantage of the, of the data and manage it from the app and everything. Or if you've got you know you want to have a better experience with your phone, and not be tied to a contract, and and have you know the, the service is top notch. So that, that's no compromise there. Um, the only thing that's different is that you save some money. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yep. Yep. So get Mint Mobile premium wireless service for just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with a Mint Mobile plan. It means you keep your same phone number and everything. Just switch today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile offers a 7-day money-back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash happy hour. That's mintmobile.com slash happy hour. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month with mintmobile.com forward slash happy hour. Yeah, so I, I've had I've had stuff. Um, quick, quickly, I want to mention some of the things that I plan to do with with my mega iPad when it comes, um, and, and you know when I get to do my own kind of um, evaluation of of the new display type. Um, so something that something that I don't do now that that I might do more is. I do. I use Apple News on the iPhone to like read what's the latest stuff going on that I'm not mm-hmm. seeing from Twitter anymore, and and, and for that it's pretty good. Um, you know, some of the, some of the longer form stuff I I read on the Mac, and I think that'll be one of the. I mean, that's been the case since the first iPad. Is like it's a, it's a better form factor for like reading long material, um, and, in, and in that case, you know, if, I'm really curious if dark mode. As, as it, you know, is presented even with like read review on Safari, if that will look really, really good on the iPad Pro, the new display, or if it'll be more like what you have on the current Mac where, you know, it's, it's, it's black or gray, but it's not OLED, you know, quality where the, the screen just turns off in the background except for the text. So that is something that's different from, from video watching that I'm, I'm eager to try out and see how it, how it is because, um, it's it's a great experience on the phone, and and so to see that on the on a much bigger screen is going to be interesting. Um, and and then of course you know the things like uh, you know watch, watching videos and everything. I'm really it, it, the the iPhone is like the highest quality screen that I have <laughs> right now, and being that it's OLED and HDR and everything, and um, you know I'm. I really, I really have high hopes for this iPad to be comparable to that, but a bigger screen, you know, and, and so, so far the reviews sound pretty good. I'll have to see it in person again to, to do my own judgment. But, um, you know, given the current state of software, the Mac is my writing machine and, um, I'm, I'm very comfortable with this iPad as, as pricey as it is, you know, to be my kind of, um, you know, read, read the news, um, you know, pull, pull up, um, you know, gu- guitar music and like play from, um, you know, watch video when I'm not in, in near a TV, that kind of thing. And, and also to have it, you know, side by side with my MacBook when I'm kind of on the go is like, rather than doing picture in picture for some video in the background, you know, put it on the iPad. And, um, of course, then that gets us to like, <laughs> you know, WWDC and what we, what we really hope to, to be able to see there. But, um, for now it's, it's very much like, this won't replace my computer in, in the way that I use it. And so, um, I'm, the things that I've defined are, are much more, much simpler. So, yeah. But obviously, you want to be able to use it for more computer tasks, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the one thing that I don't 
try to shoehorn in there as like a replacement thing is to is to podcast from and the way that we record but there's no reason that shouldn't be on the table as a possibility i mean the fact that it's got the same um you know chip inside is a, is a is a big deal um in terms of capability it's just this the software is what what says yes or no is if you can do something um but but aside from that i mean you know it, not not running Mac OS as we know it today on there because I think that that would probably be a big battery life hit because you you, you get great battery life from the MacBook Air and everything because you've got a big battery and and all but if you if you ran the same resources as you know you ran actual proper Mac OS on the iPad I think your ten hour nine hour battery life would probably take a pretty big hit there um, I, I assume although there's a lot of you know aggressive background app you know statuses where you know if you've got a camera view in the background that'll it'll stop showing until you have it back in the foreground and that and the same thing with like safari tabs so uh but i i i would love to see the ipad you know take take a look at the home screen and and you know bringing widgets to the home screen will be nice um but you know i i do like to have a workspace you know with with files on the on the home on the desktop home screen kind of idea where the, the things that you're actively working on right there and maybe having a files widget will, will kind of satisfy that. Um, but, but then the big thing is we just haven't gotten over the awkward thing of if something's in your dock, you can easily multitask with it. But if it's only on your home screen and not your dock, then you need to use a keyboard and spotlight to kind of get to it. Um, and then yeah, all that like, contort your hands <laughs> with this like crazy multi finger stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that those are the kind of things where I just wanted to be, you know, really it doesn't need to mirror what we do on the on the Mac at all because that's you know as capable as it as it is you know it's 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 not meant for touch uh, and you could definitely design a touch first interface like if there wasn't the iPhone in the picture I think the iPad would would absolutely be further along in terms of the user interface you know the hardware has just been killer for years. And to, to bring that to the, the user interface would be great. Hopefully this is the year, but there aren't really big rumors that this is the year. So um, I suppose we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had big rumors about any of the platforms really, right? So I'd say there's, there's big question marks about exactly what they're going to deliver this year for these OS updates. But you want to be optimistic. And again, that'd probably be the top of my uh, like iPadOS 15 wish list. Just they need to rethink the multitasking situation. They need to... You shouldn't be required to do multi-hand, multi-finger gestures to put two apps side by side. And I struggle with it. Normal people are going to struggle with it. Conceptually, it's and it's not just the gesture. It's also just the the metaphors used to kind of describe where everything, quote, is on the screen and isn't on the screen, like slightly to the left, slightly to the right. Like They just need to reimagine the kind of... I don't know, like hierarchy of the operating system to bear it. The, the iPad OS slash iOS is fantastic at the launch one app, close one app, launch another one, right? It's got that nailed so well, streamlined. People know how to use it. They've done it for 10 years, 10 years or more. But as soon as you add that second app on the screen, it just doesn't quite work as well. well even the, even the third app, you know, when they added the feature a couple of years ago or last year where, where you could have the floating app that's like mm-hmm. a mini iPhone instance. Um, those are those are practical in terms of like tacking on to the existing system. You know, you, you literally go from having two split screen apps to, you know, instead of it being 
you know, floating over a gray background, you know, you've got this whole stack of, of apps that you can multitask through and, and there's utility there and you can put it aside, bring it back in. But I don't think you would design it that way if, if it weren't for the iPhone, obviously. And if, if, if you were designing this for the, for the iPad from scratch, you know, it's something yeah. that they, they built on top of the other system. Yeah. You, you said it perfectly right when you said tacking it on, like everything they've done with iPad OS. And before this the stupid naming, like obviously this began when it was called iOS, like iOS 9 and, and beyond. It's all tacked on. Like they started with the baseline, then they added a layer on top and then they added another layer on top and they added another layer on top. And I'd argue each of the individual layers weren't implemented and designed perfectly. But as soon as you stack them all together, it becomes like a leaning trapezo. It's just unstable and it just doesn't work very well. And so... And I know they want to kind of retain the simplicity. They want it so that if you are an iPhone user, you can pick up an iPad and use it in just the same way. But if they actually want people to be more productive with an iPad in the same way that people can do on laptops, they're going to have to drastically rethink something. And it's easy for us to just look at what the Mac does and say, just do that on the iPad, because that's what you can visualize because you can see it in front of you. But I'm not campaigning for that to be how they do it. There are a million different ways they can achieve better multitasking with a touchscreen better file management home screen management window management like maybe it involves floating windows maybe it doesn't but there just needs to be like a total reworking of how that is applied and it probably mm-hmm. starts with the home screen right like widgets are great but you probably need to like show recent app windows there and you just maybe tap on them and they like zoom out to full screen i always think that the mission control metaphor from the Mac might work well on an iPad where you can see like little tiles of all the open apps and then you've got like your primary interface at the bottom and you've got apps at the long, like a dock running on the bottom of the screen. The control center, um, not control center, the multitasking tray that you swipe up from the bottom from today on the iPad, it's just a grid of apps. Like you can't even long press on one of those windows quote and drag and drop them on top of the, another window to make a split screen. They just don't drag around. You can only swipe right. up to remove them. So, I can't like verbalize exactly what I think they should do, but they clearly need to do something. And a lot of people are campaigning for just like a, you know, drop all the stupid two side-by-side app tiling, just go for a floating window interface. And I think that could work. Like maybe you have to turn it on in settings or something if they're really worried about making it too difficult for, quote, normal people. But I don't think the status quo can stand. Like the iPad's under so much strain from the hardware side to do more, do more, do more. And basic parts of the way the operating system works, just hold it back and not let it use that power. I mean, Mac, Mac OS, you know, as we know it, worked on a 12-inch MacBook, you know? Um, and so I, I, this is a 12.9-inch screen at the, at the highest end. And and the fact that Mac OS can scale from a 12-inch MacBook at the time, you know, now a 13.1-inch is, is a, a small, 13.3-inch at the smallest, but um, all the way up to, you know, a 32-inch 6K display, um that's that's a pretty good system, and of course the iOS, you know, from the iPhone wouldn't scale to much bigger than than it is because it's a single app screen, and they they definitely nailed, I feel like, from iPhone 10 and later, multitasking and and how you interact with the iPhone. It feels so natural, it's mm-hmm. so good, and the Mac is the Mac, you know, that that comes from a from you know a legacy OS that that's still being updated. Um, but the iPad hasn't had that that moment yet where it feels like ah oh, this they've 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 nailed a tablet OS and 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 the fact that it's not the Mac it's not the iPhone but it's it's what's made for a tablet and we haven't gotten there yet 
you know, pro- probably for priorities' sake, but you know, they they named it iPad OS. <laughs> time, time, <laughs> let's do some iPad OS stuff to it. You know, like one of the things I'd like to see is make the notification system more modern. Like the iPad notifications, they come down in a little banner, but they work the same as an iPhone. You just tap on them, they launch full screen. You can swipe on them and kind of get in this kind of like modal experience, but. I think they should just slide in from the right like they do on the Mac and you can maybe like, if it's a message, there's a little keyboard input right there. You just tap on it. You can reply. You can send it off without losing like the whole context of what you're doing. In terms of just like raw applications, it'd be nice to have like a proper health app on the iPad. Like so you can see your charts and your diagrams and you get the, you know, the suggestions on the iPad, uh, a nice weather app. But like they they have the weather widget on the iPad, but every time you click on it, it just takes you to weather.com. Mm-hmm. in safari and it's really annoying like i hope the dark screen uh, acquisition actually makes them make a proper weather app on the ipad and this is like this is like table stake stuff it's not it's not um, you know system fundamentals which are definitely the most important thing but in just in terms of niceties of day-to-day of using the operating system like native apps for health better apps for tv calculator weather those things matter in the, at the end of the day, and they're, they're, if Apple's looking at easy wins, that's definitely the angle that they could come from. Yeah, e- even small stuff like on the Mac, you can you can play two sources of audio side by side. You know, so um, a, a good example of this is probably hard to come by, but just for example, if you you know you're, you're watching a video and you want to play a little sound preview of something else, it doesn't stop your video from playing. Mm-hmm. To, to take, it doesn't take over the the system audio. Um, yeah, like very frequently mm-hmm. I'll be listening to a podcast, an Apple podcast on the Mac, and I'm I'm not like listening to it. That's not the only thing I'm doing. I'm just using the laptop, right? And you go onto Safari, and there's a video on the page, and it's like two minute long video. You press play. The video just carries along as well as the podcast does. If you do that on an iPad, the podcast pauses. You have to watch the mid- you have to watch the minute long video. Then you have to go out of the Safari, go back to the podcast app just to press play again. Yeah, you know? like it's just annoying, and it's even more annoying when it's not just content that you're actually wanting to watch. It's like an ad. Like sure, podcast can yeah. be playing. You're in Safari, and then you go onto this website, and then this this thirty second auto playing advert which pauses the podcast. It's like oh great. At least on the Mac you can close the tab and the podcast is still playing. You don't have to yeah. inconvenience and going back and, and restarting it. Yeah. And similarly with files, like the files app definitely needs a lot of work. I think this is also included in some of the iPad Pro reviews that we've seen today. Uh, obviously, the with the Thunderbolt port, you can transfer even bigger files, but uh, Federico Vitici said that he tried to like transfer like an 8-gig file off of a fast external SSD and the, the files app just hung. And even when it does work, there's no progress bar. So you don't actually know that it's transferring until it's finished. And files is another area where I feel like they just kind of tacked it on after having like several years of philosophically, we're not going to do what the Mac does. We're going to do it differently. They didn't come up with anything. So they just did what the Mac does, but they did it worse. And so there you either have to like rethink it or double down and actually make it like as capable as, as a proper finder would be. Maybe allowing like a folder on the home screen which is dedicated to files so you don't have to go into an app to find the files necessarily like the 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 whole model where you get to your files by launching apps broke down when they had the files app but now all your files are hidden in the files app so you don't get the seamless like if you're working on a project on the mac it's so easy just to leave a few files on the desktop to get back to them you know the next day and carry on drop it drop it in drag it over here the ipad just doesn't give you that flexibility and if you're trying to do you know like a, a quote project having shortcuts to files, folders, apps, windows, all in one place is really, really useful. And all you get on the iPad home screen is some widgets and some app icons. 
multitasking is the number one requirement. But even if they didn't do that, th- th- you could probably come with like a laundry list of just tiny little quality of life improvements that would make people a lot happier. Yeah, that's my go-to phrase for this stuff: is quality of life. You know, it's 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 not that it's just the wrong OS or wrong approach at all. It's just that the small things add up to be really big things. And the iPhone, like iPhone ten and later, they nailed it so well with those multitasking gestures and the home and the home bar and the home indicator and just sw- swiping and flicking. That could stay unchanged for another ten years and it'd still be fantastic, right? Like I still get so much joy out of swiping the apps away and they you know directly respond to where you're swiping and that's an experience that's been around since 2017 and it still feels so natural so new and so fresh and mm-hmm. the ipad is just friction at every turn so yeah yeah for another year our hopes <laughs> our hopes and dreams lay on ipad os 15 <laughs> yep all right let's do our last ads of the show and then we've got some cool apple silicon rumors to discuss happy hour this week is sponsored by privacy If you're like me, you log into your bank app and you check your statements every couple of days, slightly nervous about any weird or unexpected payments showing up. Well, with privacy.com, there's a better way. Privacy.com makes it super easy to manage your financial life online whilst keeping your most important information secure. Protect your card details and your money, and you can decide who can charge your card, for how much, and for how often. So how does it all work? Just go to privacy.com slash 9to5Mac, and you can make your first virtual payment card. These privacy.com cards act like a proxy for your own debit or credit card, rather than giving them... Rather than giving a shopping website your actual card information, you can just use your information from the virtual payment card instead. And so that means you can set who is allowed to make payments on each virtual card separately and for how much money. And then you can close and invalidate the card at any time. So if you just want to buy something once and you don't have an ongoing relationship with a website, like maybe you see an ad online, you want to buy an item from an obscure shopping site that you haven't used before and you're probably not going to use again, just use privacy.com to make a single-use card that cancels itself as soon as the transaction completes. If you want to keep tabs on subscriptions and recurring payments, well, you can make a merchant card that allows repeat purchases, but only from that same single merchant. So that means if your card details are stolen in some kind of security breach, no one else will be able to actually take money out of your account. You can also set explicit spending limits. So that means a service can't accidentally bill you twice in a month or try and secretly upgrade you to a higher price plan without your explicit consent. If this sounds cool, head to privacy.com slash 9to5Mac and sign up for an account today. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Go to privacy.com slash 9to5Mac and sign up now. Happy Hour is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, it's been a stressful year. Life is hard normally, but the pandemic certainly hasn't helped that, that thing any much more. Do you just feel strained or just not as happy as you normally do? Sometimes you want someone to talk to who is trained about mental health and lifestyle, and BetterHelp is here to help. It lets you do just that from the comfort of your own home. BetterHelp assesses your needs to match you with a licensed professional therapist tailored to helping your personal well-being. Simply connect in a safe and, crucially, private online environment. After signing up, you can start communicating to a therapist in under 24 hours. This is not run-of-the-mill self-help. This is professional counselling experience. You can access counsellors specialised in all sorts of areas like stress management, anger, relationships, depression, sleep, and much more. Start a conversation with your therapist at your convenience. Just send them a message at any time. The therapist responds in a timely basis, and you can schedule weekly video chats or phone calls if you want to. 
BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid options are available. And of course, everything that you talk about is 100% private and confidential. Start living a happier life today. As a listener to this show, get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash hour. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash hour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. All right. So uh, as if we didn't have enough to discuss this week, uh, <laughs> Mark Gurman Bloomberg has uh, a lot of detail now on what's coming with the future of Macs now that we've got the M1 MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, Mac Mini out, the M1 iMac. The, the rest of the Mac lineup seems to be, okay, now now we're getting past this M1 stage, which is wonderful um but but what else do we have to look forward to and um and i you as someone who's held out on what your 2016 macbook yep pro you were you were due for an upgrade so what's what's in store for you and i with don't this care that this MacBook pro keeps getting rumored every single week with like one tiny new tidbit <laughs> We're going to cover it every single time because I'm so excited. <laughs> if the iPad Pro has got this liquid retina display with the uh, mini LED, that's coming to the Mac too. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, now, this Bluebird <laughs> Pro is actually really interesting. Uh, it covers MacBook Pro, Mac Mini, iMac, all sorts. Uh, let's start with MacBook Pro. Uh, so this is the redesigned MacBook Pro we've been talking about with all these new ports and the redesigned look to be more kind of boxy and flat sides, joining the iMac and the iPad Pro. Uh German says that it could debut as early as this summer, i.e. WWDC, right? Uh, this is going to be in 14-inch and 16-inch screen sizes. Uh, the chip, interestingly, uh, is going to feature eight power uh, high-power cores and two efficiency cores for a 10-core design. The current M1 chip is four and four, four high-efficiency, four high-power. And so what you'll probably find on this and it's not clear if this is going to be like labeled as an M2 or an M1X, but along along that basis, uh, they're tweaking the design, obviously, to accommodate the higher performance expectations people expect from more professional machines, right? And clearly, there is a, a bigger requirement for higher power cores versus efficiency cores. You'll probably find the efficiency cores on this chip are still clocked higher to, um, compared to what you see in the M1, but clearly, they're dedicating most of their die space to the power cores because you're getting eight of them which is a doubling of the m1 cores that you get in sorry it's a doubling over the cores that you get in the m1 uh, this same chip uh, the 10 core design would also come to a new mac mini as we speculated this mac mini would sit above the m1 mac mini in the lineup to get rid of the intel the higher end intel configurations that apple still sells so as early as this summer, you'd see the new Mac Mini and the new MacBook Pro lineup. And I'm so happy that they're going to be available. German says that these um, MacBook Pro updates would also support higher RAM options. So you'd be able to get up to 64 gigabytes of RAM compared to the 16 max out, which is the limit for the M1 series. Your patience is paying off. Patience? <laughs> I, I think I've told you this story before, right? But I emailed Phil Schiller once talking about some... <laughs> completely irrelevant topic i think it was like uh, the apple had promised to add icloud support to the iWork suite on the mac and this was like mid 2012 like summer 2012 and it hadn't happened yet so almost just slightly miffed or whatever i sent an email to phil Schiller like where is this you promised this six months ago 
And do you know what? He, he, he actually replied. This is one of my very few replies from Apple executives. And he, he had a single sentence. Buzz off, kid. Patience oh. <laughs> is a virtue. Full stop. <laughs> nice. That's all I got from Phil Scheller. Yeah. And then they did actually release the update like a month later. But <laughs> I ask I ask him why the MacBook Pro got the label back on the display instead of on the bottom, which is superior. <laughs> so we do it. We do it looks best. <laughs> well, we, and now they've changed the their mind again with the new iMac because they took the logo off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, super excited for this MacBook Pro as well as the uh, updates to the CPU. They're also going to update the GPU options because right now the M1 GPU is an 8-core design. German says that for the new MacBook Pros, Apple will be offering a 16-core GPU with an option to get a 32-core GPU. So you're getting improvements on both CPU and on uh, the GPU side. When the M1 came out, it basically led the industry on performance for single-core tasks, but it wasn't as it wasn't as powerful as like the high-end iMac Pro for multi-core operations. I think this is going to be their attempt to supersede that now by going to a 10-core design versus an 8-core design. But you have to remember the balance of power and that most of those 10-cores are the high-power ones, whereas in the M1, it's split 50-50. So it's, it's looking good for the uh, future of the MacBook Pro, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also discussions in this article about the Mac Pro. Remember last year when we were talking about, uh, German said that Apple was working on a half-size Mac Pro that would be ARM right mm-hmm. there's a few more details on that now uh as you can imagine apple takes the the they they their code name jade dies but they're taking the same kind of design as what you heard in the mabber pro but they're scaling it up for the desktop so the new mac pro would have 20 cpu cores or maybe 40 cpu cores depending on which model uh that would be 16 high performance cores uh, and then four efficiency cores on 20 or 32 high performance cores and eight efficiency cores uh, for the Mac Pro. And that would come with a monster 64 core or 128 core GPU. Obviously, when you're getting to Mac Pro territory, you're competing against those massive beefy graphics cards that Apple showed. Like on the current Mac Pro, you can start, you can stack four like AMD rate, um, Vega, Vega graphics cards, right? In parallel. So they have to. Uh, bulk up their own internal graphics a lot to be able to compete with that and although we don't have exact specifics here 128 core graphics options it's probably going to do all right let's put it that way (laughs) (laughs) Uh, mark says that the 20 and 40 core cpus would beat out the 28 core chip currently offered in the intel mac pro so unsurprisingly apple's going to beat out intel again okay and he doesn't actually say specifically that the higher-end graphics chips would beat the performance of what you can get in the Mac Pro on the graphics card side. He just says they're going to obviously replace what's in the AMD stuff. But they're going to at least be in the ballpark, clearly. Uh-huh, yeah. People that bought the 2090 Mac Pro are probably going to be mad, let's put it that way. <laughs> Turns out if you just do a lot of cores, it's powerful. On the iMac front, Mark says that He's a bit unclear. He doesn't have as much detail about this. This is the like the 27 slash 30 inch iMac, i.e. the replacement for the bigger iMac and the iMac Pro. He doesn't have the same kind of detail because he says that Apple has been working on a larger iMac with in-house processors, but development of that version was paused in part so that Apple focused on releasing the redesigned 24 inch model. So he doesn't say it's not coming this year, but he doesn't say that it is either. Sure, yeah. I think it'd be kind of weird if they update the Mac Mini, the Mac Pro, and the Mac Pro, and then <laughs> you got you you enter twenty twenty two still with like 
the high-end iMacs still had Intel chips. That'd be kind of strange. <laughs> so I assume there's an update coming this year, but probably like the end of the year rather than yeah. the summer. And then finally, Mark has information on the higher-end MacBook Air. We This was rumored before by Quo and other people, right? We talked about this on the show before. But this would be a completely redesigned higher-end MacBook Air, probably adopt uh, design cues similar to the iMac, uh, I think John Prosser had some nice mock-up leaks of this based on what he said was internal information. Uh, Mark says the higher-end MacBook Air would come out at the end of the year and it would feature a direct successor to the M1 processor, which has a codename of Staten. It would have the same number of CPU cores as the M1, but run faster, so it would still be an 8-core design uh, because of the power efficiency constraints of that laptop form factor, right? But the clocks would be higher, so it would still be faster. Uh, the graphics cores might increase from the current 7 or 8 to 9 or 10, so a slight boost on multi-core graphics performance. The low-end 13-inch MacBook Pro would also get that same chip. So basically what we saw happen in October would now get this, quote, M2 processor instead. So pretty fast turnaround. Like, the Apple's promised that they would convert the entire lineup uh, within two years, right? And if they do do the high-end iMac Pro this year as well, they would be beating that timeline by about six months. So they're doing it pretty aggressively. And in fact, inside that timeline, they would have already updated the 13-inch MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air twice. With that's, arm that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, no sign of 5G, though. No sign of 5G, that's correct. Yeah, uh, Mark says um, that as early as 2022, Apple plans to replace the last remaining Intel part with an in-house version because obviously all the focus is on the cpu the gpu right but apple gets parts inside its computers for all sorts of stuff you know timing controllers little supporting hardware and mark says that apple will be completely divorced of intel by next year because the current m1 max have a single intel component remaining which is called the usb retimer whatever that does it apparently helps power the usb c ports and the thunderbolt ports but apple is working on its own custom usb retimer so from next year all of its Macs won't have any Intel inside them at all. <laughs> cool. Not much to analyze here other than it all sounds pretty great and I hope it comes out <laughs> sooner I, rather I, later. I agree. I agree. Finally this week, let's just do a little um, summary of the current state of the Apple trial, the Apple vs. Epic situation. It's... Still pretty dull. <laughs> I don't think there's been any crazy revelations out of any of it. Like the the lawsuit with Samsung back in 2012, the design lawsuit was definitely more interesting because we got those leaks of all those cool like iPhone prototypes and stuff that we literally would not have seen otherwise. Most of what's happened in the Apple vs. Epic trial, I think, has basically just been giving a bit of color, a bit of supporting evidence to the predominant theories that everyone's expected how Apple operates in the App Store, you know? Like, so there hasn't been too much of like, oh, this is crazy, or, you know, we knew about the negotiations with Amazon for the video program and the 15% there, but look at this company that's had this crazy deal with Apple and look at this, like, weird exception they made. Like, nothing of that's really happened, which is probably good for Apple in showing that it's trying to be, like, a neutral platform owner, right? Um, But this week, Phil Schiller... The first of Apple's like main executives did take the stand. Uh, he talked a lot about whether Roblox is a game or not, and you know Apple's policies about the App Store. But there was just some cool, like random tangential points that he brought up. Apparently, the WWC conference, so like the event that's held for a week in June, 
apparently costs Apple $50 million a year. $50 million a year. I'm not quite sure. I feel like there might be some creative accounting involved. Oh, it's, in all, it's, all, it's all the food. Yeah, like, that. surely a week conference can't cost them $50 million. I'm not. I'm not insane by saying that, right? Like, I have. I have no idea. Yeah. He surely can't cost that much. Like that's ridiculously expensive. Like in my head, I was thinking WC is like a. I don't know, like a ten million dollar thing. Fifty million dollars. That's what, insane. Like, what's the price to attend? Like fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred dollars, and they times three thousand people attendees. Oh, five thousand. Okay. Yeah. So, so Apple's certainly not making making a loss if you just take ticket price into account. Like obviously, WWC shouldn't be something they're trying to make a profit out of, but. Fifty million seems incredibly high to me. Like the thing is, this 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 uh, little stat was part of Apple's testimony to try and show that they're not just like a dumb payment processor skimming thirty percent off transactions. So they were trying to show all sorts of investments and developments they've done to you know better the ecosystem. So it's in Apple's interest to say a number that's as high as possible. But obviously they can't lie. But maybe they've included like I guess maybe if you include the cost of. Because obviously they bring engineers to San Jose or whatever, so maybe they included like the engineers' salaries in that cost. Where do you know what I mean? Like maybe there's some way they can book more value to it than what we'd actually think of. This is the cost of the conference, but hmm. fifty million dollars. I mean, it's a lot of money, but of course Apple can wipe it over with a <laughs> with a <laughs> fingerprint. <laughs> like fifty million dollars to Apple isn't a lot of money. Like this is the thing about this whole testimony argument. They're like, look at all this stuff we're investing in. $50 million conference. Like, Apple's making $50 billion a year from the App Store and services revenue, right? Like, $50 million, that's like less than 1% of that number. So I don't think they're going to win the case based on how much it costs them to hold developer conferences. It was just a funny stat that cropped up. Something else that was interesting is that Schiller said they're actually building a developer center in Apple Park. So a dedicated, like, building where the company will be able to attract developers to come to their campus and get technical support, maybe early access to new hardware and stuff. So that's interesting. Because mm-hmm. they've done, I don't know what you'd say, like minor, um, they've done like little conferences around the year, like little uh, tech talks, and they've done reach out um, campaigns. And they obviously have uh, local developer support systems for parts of the world like if you are epic you get like a direct phone line to a rep that can help you out but well, they don't have like dedicated offices and apparently they're going to build them on apple park itself which is interesting all right yeah uh if you want a bit more of a character profile into phil schiller he said that he was asked are you a gamer he said i play games on iphone ipad apple tv and he has a dedicated vr rig to play auto racing games <laughs> which is most the which is probably one of the most phil schiller like iconic things that you just yeah. obviously schiller has um for is schiller ferrari or am i is that q i can't remember yeah that's 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 q but but schiller is no schiller likes stranger to, to fast cars yeah sweet yeah, racers like avatar. If, if schiller's having fun playing games with a thousand dollar um VR rig. I think we might know maybe <laughs> where the inspiration for the Apple headset came from. Yeah, I, you know, I would think an executive like like Phil Scheller would just not bother the VR route and just do it, <laughs> but to each their own, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that's the state of the epileptic trial. I don't know if you've got any commentary in the whole debacle. No, I mean, it's it's one of those... It's, it's kind of exhausting. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's the thing is, is um, you know, may, maybe there's some more testimony that comes this week, you know, maybe today even that that is more interesting. But um, it's... Um, you know, I think it's 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 a uh, it, it it's it's an avenue that, that this is going through where you know the 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 interesting stuff gets filtered filtered up to the service and you find out about it, but like none of it's really relevant to <laughs> what's going on. It's all kind of spectacle, um, you know. And and the bigger the most interesting things have nothing to do with the actual outcome or the the greater changes that will come from this. So. Um, yeah, I, I do want to say, uh, in 2017, I had another Phil Schiller uh, email that was not a response, but direct to me. That was a link to, um, a June 27 story where Tim Cook was photographed at a Boston Red Sox game. And the photo was taken on an iPhone. I guess it was, you know, one of the Tim Cook spotted in the wild stories and, um, and did, didn't know it, but the, the photo was taken by Phil, Phil Schiller on his iPhone, and he emailed me to say, "Zach, um, saw this story on 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 Mac nine to five, which is <laughs> frequently what he calls on if I Mac." And um, said so he's disappointed he didn't get photo credit for that picture that was taken. We had no idea it was taken by him, but we added the, the photo credit afterwards to say taken by Phil Schiller's iPhone seven plus or something like that. Uh, so yeah, it's. For this for this trial stuff, I I you know not not a lot to say this week, um, and you know may, maybe it, as this thing you know winds up, there'll be more to talk about it. But yeah, there's uh, going to be a few more testimonies from Craig Federighi, and I think Tim Cook's going to be on there for a bit. But the truth is, like all the executive testimonies are they're, they're pre coached and they're rehearsed, right? So, yeah, they're going to be the most canned. Yeah, know, like the cool stuff comes out in the you know the random questioning from Epic, and then the you know, the court documents and the emails and stuff, some of which yeah. we already spoke about before. But the conclusion of the trial will be like mid-June, pretty much. Uh, I think the consensus is generally that Apple's probably just going to mostly win and maybe there's some small concession, like being allowed to tell, like maybe uh, Epic's allowed to say inside the the Fortnite application that there are other places to buy these, you know, buy these V-Bucks. Uh but I don't think there's going to be any massive shake-up as a result of the App Store and like the whole model. Like People expecting the 30% commission to drop to nothing are highly misguided. Uh, maybe the regulatory oversight from the EU and the US, like that stuff has more um, punitive and possibly could be more... Uh, have a bigger impact. I don't think the Epic trial is really going anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, something more interesting to me is, um, as we've, we've been recording... Um, we have a story on iPad Mac. That's um, uh, how, how here's how the 2021 iPad Pro center stage feature works. Mm-hmm. And um, Feder- Federico Batici at Mac Stories has done some screen recording and, and turned this into GIF into GIFs um, of him on a FaceTime call um, with his girlfriend walking around the room <laughs> and getting closer and further from the camera. And because it's a GIF, it's just repeating, and that's that's been very fun to watch. Um, it's, I mean, it's like the iPad were to move around the room. It's pretty, pretty good. It almost looks like they designed it for an iPad that could sit on a robotic arm. <laughs> and there's another where there's a center stage demonstration, I think, and it's both him and his girlfriend. And, and it's an example of the, the, 
them coming in and out of frame together and separate. And so it, you know, detects the person and, and zooms in to focus on that. So yeah, from these examples, it looks pretty good. Like the, the traditional problem with automatic, like cropping algorithms is that they just look very unnatural and they happen too yeah. frequently. Right. So you could just be sitting there, you know, chatting to like, maybe uh, like if I was chatting to you over FaceTime and then I like, you know, jog about or just nod my head or something, suddenly the cropping of the camera like zooms around the screen and it just yeah. looks, you know, it's more distracting, but from these demos it looks pretty good and they accommodate the second person coming in pretty well and the actual like ultra wide field of the camera looks pretty big yeah so it does i think they've done a pretty good job with this mm-hmm, me too center stage you know that's cool this could be you next week zach you could be wandering around the living room <laughs> seeing how it does it. i have to get my cat to come into the picture <laughs> <laughs> what if that works i don't know but um yeah this is this is uh interesting i mean and of course a lot of the reviews are the ipad hardware is great but the os is is a limiting factor you know hopefully we see that that change sometime soon um our colleague bradley chambers has a review of the chipolo one spot which is the AirTag um alternative that works with the find my network and so he's got one in hand that he's written about so that's interesting to check out if you're Curious about that. Um, I'm looking to see if there's a size comparison. Oh yeah, it's a little bit bigger than the AirTag, but it's got a but it has a hole in it, so you can it put has got a hole in it. You can put things through it, um, and it's more discreet. It's black, you know, and and uh, less button looking. So that's that's neat. Um, and then um, the the last thing I wanted to mention this week is on a on a personal note. Um, I've talked a lot about my brother in the past on this show as. Um, you know, he came to stay with me during COVID and, um, mm-hmm. for a few, few months and everything. And, um, last Friday, um, my mom, my grandma and my brother were involved in a car accident. And, um, it was kind of, kind of surreal to find out about it because, you know, it was a, my, my aunt called me upset to tell me about it. And, um, you know, I was four hours away, so couldn't, couldn't actually be there in the moment. And, um, you know, I had this weird experience where I looked on Apple Maps because I wanted to have some more context of what had happened to understand. And I looked at the where the accident was on Apple Maps. And of course, you know, Maps reports the, um, you know, traffic incidents. And so I could see exactly where it was. This is, you know, in the red line of like traffic delayed from the road being shut down and everything. And, um, you know, even look at kind of zoom out and look at where um, they were relative to my grandma's home and my mom's home and see, you know, kind of, okay, they were right in between there. Um, and my grandma is 87 and she's in excellent health. She's been vaccinated and everything. She's super outgoing. Um, was just about to move from the country into town because she, she's, she was going to a year ago, but then because of the pandemic, she, she put it off for a year and, um, she had an apartment to, to, in, in June and, um, I had planned to go visit her then, but, um, from the accident, she died and, um, my mom was injured, but is okay. And my brother has been on life support since Friday and, um, been in an induced coma, a couple of broken legs, broken arm, um, lung, lung collapsed. And, um, I think, think the kind of the, the current status on him is that they're, they're kind of evaluating the, um, chance of survival and how long they'll keep him in this, in this coma and on this machine. So, um, just really, I'm really came as, yeah, it really came as a surprise and I haven't shared with people really. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, that, that's what brought me. We recorded a day earlier this week. So I wanted to have the end of my week kind of more open in case there's, you know, a, yeah. yeah, developments there. So, um, well, you know, crossed at least. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's something. Um, it, it 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 nags at me that my grandma was taken away. I mean, eighty seven is a heck of an age, but um, taken away at a time when she was still in great mental health and physical health. She was an athlete, and um, I think that contributed a lot to to her uh, health in later years, where she was a swimmer and a runner and a tennis player and. And a very interesting person. She grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, um, you know, in, in segregated uh, Alabama in the 30s and, and 40s. And, um, you know, really was ahead of her time in terms of being progressive minded and just, you know, not, not, not taking on society as it was taught by her parents, you know, who she grew up in a house where her, her mom and dad were alcoholics and her older brother was more of the kind of status quo, you know, and, and um, she was definitely just kind of a standout person and, um, you know, very artistic, you know, could paint, was very into, you know, music and, and Pavarotti and Sting and that kind of thing and just really neat person to talk to. And um, so that that's the thing that kind of nags at me is that she was taken not by, um, you know, her health and natural causes, but by this just random car accident. Um, so, um, yeah, and, 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 and as much as anything else, you know, um, it's, it's it has been nice to spend this hour and a half talking to you about Apple products and that kind of thing, and um, it's always a relief. I know we hear from listeners sometimes who who credit you know the podcast to being their their moment of relief and an otherwise stressful time. And so for me, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got to have this this conversation and that there's you know more than the epic trial going on in the news to <laughs> kind of keep us <laughs> keep us uh, focused. So um, yeah, I, just I mean, we get to this mention, comment a lot, like because we never really touch on anything that's happening in the world, like any tragedies personal mm-hmm. or like you know just global issues right but mm-hmm. I, I like to see this podcast as kind of an escape from all that and we definitely get yep. comments that people appreciate that so in our very little way i'm glad that we could provide that provide that service yeah. to people yeah indeed because because man the world and life is wild and so it's it's not that we ignore those things it's that you know we we too need a little break from the the rest of everything um and and you know so that's 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 kind of been what's happening for me the last we need couple our space of days to and... complain about the serial mode <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a luxury but it's a very good luxury to have to to complain about so um so th- there's an update I'll, I'll i'll mention you know i guess we'll, what happens to my brother in the future um but for now it doesn't sound great and we grew up really close together you know he's he's two years older than me year and a half older than me so we've certainly very close so um it's it's been a surprise, but um, you know, thank, thanks for thanks for everyone who listens to give me this opportunity to kind of, you know, escape escape that that world for an hour and a half, and uh, you know, and um, and and obviously for everyone who reads Nine to Five Mac because that's that's also a very I mean it's just that's been consistent for me since 2013 when I was 22 years old that this has been you know my 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 job and so. Um, and it, and it's it's I've lived all over the place and been in lots of different circumstances with with life and uh, this has been the one constant you know for <laughs> eight eight years and counting so thanks for everyone who listens to the podcast and reads what we we do on Nine to Five Mac. Um, with that being said, uh, we uh, will be back next week. In the meantime, you can um, follow Benjamin on Twitter at bzmao, and you can reach me at apollozac dot com uh, or read my work on 9 mac dot com. You can email both of us together at happy hour at nine to five mac dot com, and we will be back next week when uh, there's some there's some sweet new hardware out in the wild, 
And, and hopefully uh, we have some of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I suppose I might have my iPad by next if if it comes on Wednesday and we record yeah, on Thursday. I should, I should so. have my Apple TV. Hopefully, cool, cool. Let me, yeah. Let us know how the how the hardware is, how the box looks, and everything. Yeah, it's completely different. <laughs> how that how that Wi Fi six is. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. Uh, take care. Bye bye.